0: Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor here at Horse and Hound. So we're releasing this podcast on New Year's Eve, so Happy New Year to all of our listeners, whether you're listening on the last day of 2020 or in the first week or two of 2021. We have a real treat for you on this podcast because it's a special time of year, so we've thrown away our normal format. And instead, today, we're bringing you an exclusive feature length interview with one of Britain's greatest and best loved riders. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to my colleague, Jennifer Donald, and let her introduce our guest. Hello, I'm Jennifer Donald,
1: the show jumping editor at Horse and Hand, and for this week's very special festive podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by the reigning Olympic show jumping champion, Nick Skelton. Nick, welcome and thank you for joining us this week.
2: You're welcome. Hello. hope you had a good Christmas.
1: Thank you. And to you. So we're in a bit for a bit of a treat uh, for this New Year's special edition of the podcast in a change to the usual format, we're going to be talking to you about the 10 horses that have helped shape your outstanding career, a sort of horsey desert island discs, if you like. So let's start at the beginning. We're going to start with Oxo, fabulous little pony. And I know it can make or break a child's future in the saddle, depending on what you get as your first pony. But you seem to have had an absolute gem with Oxo. What are your first memories with him?
2: Um, well, Oxo was a Welsh pony. He was 11' 2", hands high and my parents bought him for me when i was 2 years old and he was actually 2 years old and i think my dad gave 40 pound for him uh, <laughs> back in that was in 1959 goodness um and really he was the he was the pony that really you know changed my life or put me on the road to what i achieved later on in life I mean, he was—he was a absolutely wonderful pony. Um, He could do, you know, he—he Jim Carner, he show jumped, um, he galloped around the field, we jump hedges, and I mean, you—I used to take him in the kitchen. Oh no! stand in the kitchen, he had the potatoes out of the bowl one day. Oh! (laughs) My brother wasn't very happy, but and then um, I mean, he was so—he was—he was was, uh, the bomb-proof pony. I mean, you could ride him down the centre the m1 with traffic tractors lorries he never batted an eyelid
1: oh bless him um
2: and afterwards you know when i finished with him i gave him to i never ever would ever sell him and i but i gave him away to to kids um that were that were growing up and were young i mean jeff mcveen the australian rider when he was living over here i gave him for his daughters um althea barclay who um, events and jumps and hunts I gave it to their two kids and she they hunted him my my two kids they Dan and Harry both learnt to ride on him and we kept him at home, then he came back when Dan and Harry were riding and um, we kept him until he was 39 I think and I remember we were going to the New Forest show and they would always go out every morning, first thing even before they went to school they'd feed him muck him out, come back, they'd both ride him and uh, the one morning, they went running out, I think it was a Thursday morning, we were off to the show early, and they came back in screaming and crying, and he was dead in the box.
1: Oh, goodness.
2: But I mean, that was a great way for him to go, Yeah. really.
1: And what a tremendous age. I mean, that's just fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah,
2: it's unbelievable. And there was a funny, actually quite a funny ending to it, really, because we buried him in the field, and the farmer came and with a JCB dug a big hole for him, and we buried him in the corner of the field, and it was raining and uh, we put a blanket down and everything and put him in the hole and my dad was there with the umbrella and he walked step back and it was a metal umbrella and he put it on the electric fence oh, no. so he got <laughs> shocked <laughs> and God. um that was quite funny but um, yeah he's he's buried at the hole at the old farm where we used to live and uh, yeah he was the one that started me off really
1: Oh my goodness. What a pony. And I think we all wish we had a pony like Oxo to start us off. Wow. it just sounds fantastic. And now the next horse on the list is the great maybe who came to you while you were working at Liz and Ted Edgar's stables. And he took you from young riders and straight sort of onto the path to international success. Didn't he He was a tremendous horse for you.
2: He was, he wasn't very big. And, uh, we, Ted bought him off a guy called Freddie Cotter, Lancashire and his act, he actually was a real character. I mean, he he was a villain to start with. Was he? he yeah. I mean, I don't think he, Ted gave much for him, but he um he liked to do his own thing. I mean, a lot of times you'd go in the ring and you wouldn't get him through the start. Oh no. Um and he'd just plant himself on the floor and that was it. You couldn't get him going. And anyway, we we got him home and um we hunted him a lot actually. Okay. I used to hunt him all day long. I mean, I'd take him from 11 in the morning until five at night and three or four days a week until he absolutely surrendered and you could do anything with him. And it's amazing how actual straight he came after all those years because he, he won the leading show jump of the year at the Horse of the Year show. I won the Young Riders Championship on him, I think in 1974 at the Horse of the Year show. And then he went on and he jumped. Uh, got a silver medal in the alternate Olympics in 1980 uh, in Rotterdam. Uh, he jumped one of only three double clears in the Nations Cup. I mean, and he was a small horse, but he could never, he never go down the distances on the on the normal stride because he, he didn't have a very big stride. So he'd always take an extra stride wherever he went. But he was always quite quick, though. Even if he took the extra stride, he was very, he was still quick. Again, he was the first sort of good horse that I had that that I once you know, won substantial stuff on really.
1: Yeah. And tell us about I mean, that was your first taste of the Olympics. That must have been a great adventure for you and your and your teammates to be out there.
2: Well it was, that was in we went in to Rotterdam actually, and myself and John on Ryan's son. And John actually went on, he won um I think John won a silver medal in the individual with Ryan's yeah. son. And you
1: were beaten just by a time fault, I think it was, in the in the team was, competition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so close.
2: In the nineteen eighties, yeah. And then after that the next one I got was If Ever, and I was just still at the Eggers then. And um, he was a little, um, small, he was a French horse. He was roan, Red roan. He was about 15'2. And I saw, I was at Gothenburg horse show it must have been eighty one or some time, and I was watching the Poisson's, and this Belgian guy was riding this horse, and he, he was in the Poisson's, and the triple bar was a huge triple bar, and he came around the corner, and he missed his stride to it, and he left the floor. A stride too early and, and you thought you know you shut your eyes thinking this is going to be this is going to be ugly yeah <laughs> and um, he just I don't know where he got the jump from but he just he ate it cleared it came wow. down to the pool at seven foot two and cleared that and I rang Ted I said there's a horse here said, it's <laughs> tiny but he jumps unbelievable I said and and but it's a bit of a tear away, he's got no mouth you um, can't you know you couldn't really re- regulate him or anything and I said I think the Boy wants to sell it so anyway ted got on the phone and he bought him and um i then i rode him he again he, he was a tearaway i used to ride him in a sort of a wire bit and um short short running martingale but he went to hickstead and he when they had the four shows or three shows and he won all three grand prix in sweet. one year yeah and he then I won the Grand Prix on Goth- in Gothenburg on him one year, and then he won. He actually won the Grand Prix in Arco in 1982.
1: And did you set about trying to change him at all, or did you realise that was just his way
2: of going and just let him roll? Well, we used to work him hard and work him a lot and try and you know try and get some sort of control of him. But um, like I say, he was a bit of a tearaway, but he had a huge jump. Uh, I remember Grand Prix in Arkham was four rounds those days.
1: Oh yes, um, yeah, there was a sort of puissance round
2: and a yeah, they used to jump around a second round, a puissance round. And if they're any all clear, they jump off against the clock. And it was absolutely thrashing down with rain, and the ground was really deep. I mean, if those riders saw the grounds today; they would, you know, they'd die. They'd die, they'd die, they'd die <laughs> yes, like anything, any adverse conditions or <laughs> adverse ground. But in those days, nobody cared. You just you just got on and did it they made the fences a little bit smaller and away you went
1: amazing um and moving on to another horse from your time at the edgars st james he i mean he'd had quite a lot of success with david broom hadn't he before he came to your yeah, there
2: was a story with him as well really with um with st james i was at uh, we were at hickstead and i was walking up to the back rings and this guy drove by the side of me in this rolls royce and he wound the window down and he said um I'm looking to buy a good show jumper, he said, uh, for somebody to ride. And I said, Well, actually, you want to go up there and see Ted Eggman? I said, He's the man, he'll find you a good one. <laughs> and um, so he, I, he drove up there and I introduced him to Ted. And uh, anyway, cut a long story short, it was Terry Clements, and he ended up buying St. James. Oh, wow. And Ted bought him from David. And that David actually won 20 classes one year on him. That was his, That was David's speed horse. He was, he was called Sunnyside Up. <laughs> and they changed his name because um Terry Clements sold a part of him to the guy that, that owned the St James's club in London so he went on from there and, and actually St James was a was a great horse he won he won so much he won the grand prix olympia and the world cup two consecutive years back to back one on the saturday one on the sunday and i think probably the one of the best classes i've ever won was the grand prix at Olympia one year, there was an oxer a turn back off the gate and I, I literally turned him on one stride and he he sort of took off going into the wall and, and landed coming out of the wall um and I think that's probably one of the best turns i've ever done in my life oh, and it was on my bad rain as well oh. which was uh I'm, i wasn't always I was always better turning to the left than I was to the right, but somehow I got it right that day and uh, <laughs> um he was good. But he, he won the Grand Prix in Calgary, I think, in 84. Uh, I think Justin James would have been still been a good horse today because he was very ride or He had a lot of blood and he was very careful. But he went along had him at the same time as Apollo, who was the next horse.
1: Yes, lovely, big, white-faced Apollo. Tell yeah. us about him.
2: Again, he was a different character. He would he came from Holland. Uh, a lady bought him, sent him to Steve Hadley. Um, he couldn't get on with him and he said we well, should try send him to Jeff Glaz- Glazard and so Jeff Glazard he, he got them and he, he actually won I think one night or one year at the horse of the year show I think he won five nights on the trot
1: oh my goodness that me <laughs> um,
2: and then we ended up the lady sent sent him to Ted and I i got I got the horse and he um, was a bit of a tearaway, away and it took me quite a while to get to learn to ride him, and you actually really had to go along with him. Um, he loved to he loved to gallop. He used to jump off his front end. You couldn't really contain him and make him jump the conventional way. But he was he was very brave. He was 17 hands. Um, he was fast, and he was really scopy horse. You know, he wouldn't have been the most careful horse in the world. But you know those big big fences those days and big poles. Yeah. Um, Brave. He was very brave. Like he wouldn't turn his head to anything. I mean, he won two Hickstead derbies. He was second twice. He um, he won two Grand Prix in Arkan in eighty seven and eighty eight, back to back Grand Prix. I got I got a bronze medal in the World Championships. I think yes, like in eighty. I don't know when that was.
1: Eighty six. Yeah. Tell us about that because in those days we did the the horse swap as well, and he was. Also- yeah.
2: I mean, he again, like I say, he was a bit of a tearaway. And people all, always, like in the final four there, they were all intimidated by him because of the way he went, you know, he was just, he'd set off about four or five strides and he'd be gone. <laughs> and um, the night before, every uh, all the riders they interviewed, and which horse are you most worried about riding? Everybody said Apollo. I even said Apollo myself. <laughs> and um, it was amazing, really, because when Gail Greenow got on him, she didn't touched the reins she just let him go and um i think um i was convinced that he was he would do his trick and you know mess it up for her but he didn't and she rode him unbelievably well um i think he was shocked by her really
1: yeah (laughs) brilliant and he finished his days out hunting with your stepmother is that right
2: he did yeah yeah oh um he was a great hunter brilliant hunter jump anything go anywhere ditches and that's why he was so brave in the derby you know he he was a great horse to ride around the derby yeah yeah he knew exactly where he was going what he was doing but yeah he was a special horse really
1: nice one oh special indeed um and now we come on to the great dollar girl um she's the only mare in your list is that your preference for geldings or stallions or was it just circumstances it
2: just circumstances how it worked out really i mean i got dollar girl by probably by default really um because the owner joe hallow was very i mean thomas fox won a lot on her a Mm -hmm. lot um and they had sort of a, a fallout one day in geneva uh the owner and thomas and uh, John which was always friendly with the, with the guy, and he ended up giving John the horse uh, for Barcelona, because at that time, Milton wasn't allowed to go to the Olympics. The Bradleys said, you know, he's not going to go to, not allowed to go to any Olympic Games, and so the guy gave Dollar Girl to John for him to ride at the Olympics. And then, as time went on, uh, the Bradleys changed their mind, and John was obviously going to ride Milton in Barcelona. So, the guy wanted... Dollar Girl to go to the games. And obviously I had nothing to ride at that point. So John said, oh, you should give Nick Dollar Girl.
1: Oh, that's nice.
2: So I ended up getting Dollar Girl and I I got a, she arrived on the Sunday at Hickstead on the last meeting. And you had to qualify, you had to do a complete, a Grand Prix course with eight faults or less to get a certificate of capability.
1: Oh goodness. Well, they were waiting
2: for me to come and she, she was actually being led down the drive Oh, no. uh, while we were waiting, I had no—I just literally <gasps> got on her. Five minutes, cantered around, straight in the ring over a Grand Prix course. Oh, she actually, boy. I got away with eight faults. I had two down, and uh, so—but anyway, I qualified. And then we went to Barcelona. But as everybody knows, that's what everybody remembers Dollar Girl for. Oh, she got eliminated at the Olympic Games. Not the fact that she won over—I won over a million pound on her.
1: Amazing. In the it? years
2: that I had her yeah I mean that day she was jumping clear until the last fence and I just think she was jumping so well and I think when you turned away from the gate to go again she thought this is enough I can't do anymore and then she threw the towel in and she was not jumping that water jump whatever happened and it was I was devastated really because she was jumping so well I bet and then in the afternoon she just came out and she jumped it never even looked at it
1: wow just goes to show they're not machines
2: no, after the first round, I remember Malcolm Piper was there. He said, oh, let's go out and school over the water. I said, no, I, said, I can't be bothered. Oh, no. I'm sick. I do not want, I can't be bothered. If I get eliminated again next time, I get eliminated. Uh-huh. It doesn't really matter. It's all gone. And uh, she just went back and jumped it. But she she went on and um, I won the World Cup final on her in
1: 1995. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a massive moment in anyone's career, but to do it with her, it must have been really special.
2: Yeah. But she was a funny horse, a funny horse, because if you rode, I remember Thomas Fuchs came to me one day and he said to me, because I was, John really didn't get on with her at all, very well at all. I just I think John was too quiet the way he rides. He was very quiet. And she didn't jump great for him. And I remember I was at a show one day and Thomas Fuchs came to me and said, if you want to win anything with that mare, you want to ride her like you hate her.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: I thought, well, how can you? Because she's such a she's such a lovely mare, you know. Yeah. He was right. So I'd go in the ring and I'd really stoke her up and be aggressive with her. And when you were aggressive, she jumped unbelievable. That's so amazing,
1: isn't it? Whatever
2: however you you know, if you got yourself wound up and adrenaline run in and rode her with, you know, exuberance and you know, a lot of action, she would give it back. If you sat really quiet, she used to jump really quiet and yeah. not put any effort in. But he he was actually right, and um, that's that's how she went on.
1: When you find the key to these horses, it's um, it makes them very special, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, um, brilliant. And the next one we move on to is Top Gun. Um, you only had him; it was a sort of brief partnership. But you said he's one of the best horses you've ever ridden. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I'd i put him up there with Big Star. Probably oh, just wow. I'd put him just behind Big Star. He, that horse had an incredible talent. A fantastic horse, absolutely, and. Uh, yeah, he was the one that I was most disappointed in losing. Really,
1: uh, yeah. Tell us a story about that. I mean, you had him, and I mean, it's part of show jumping, isn't it? That horses get sold from yeah. under you. I mean, but I, um... I
2: got him when he was at the back end of seven years old, and I was I was um, at a show one day, and I was talking to Mick Saywell, and uh, Mick lives in Nottingham. Obviously, you know Mick is used to ride and um, for Trevor Banks, and he said, "I've seen a really good horse up the north." He said, uh, "Carl Fuller has it. It's a black horse." He said, "He's he's probably as good horse I've ever seen." I said, I know who owns that horse. I said, Paul Schockenweiler owns that horse. I said, because he always sends horses that are a little bit difficult to the Fullers to ride. So I rang Paul Schockenweiler and I said, you have a horse up the north. That's your horse, isn't it? He said, yeah, it is. I said, well, is he for sale? He said, "Um, yeah, they're all my horses for sale. I said, well, can I go and see him? And he said, no. He said, "Um, he's coming back here to Germany next week. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> and um, you can come over here and see him. So I, at the time, I had Tony Elliott um, from Griffin and Brand. He was my owner at the time and sponsor. And I said, there's, apparently, there's a really good horse in Germany. He said, oh will go and see it. And I, I went over to see it. And I took—I don't know why or how—but I had Gary Widdison with me. Okay. A big star. And I've always, you know, I've been friends with Gary for years and years, and he was with me. And I went there, tried the horse, only jumped three jumps. I thought I'm having him, whatever happened. Mm-hmm. And um, Gary said, Oh, I want to buy that horse. I'll, I'll buy him. I said, Well, you can't because I promised him to Tony Elliott.
1: Oh, no. I, see. I
2: gave him first chance of the horse, and, you know, I've got to be straight with him. And he wants him. He's If he wants him, he's going to have him. So I called him. And um, I think, I can't even remember how much he was now, but he was he was quite expensive for the. For the time back in the whenever it was whatever year, um, so we bought Top Gun. I got him home. and He was special. I think I went. The first show I went to was at Stoneley. It was a talent spotter's final, and he won it. The very first class he went, and he won. Oh,
1: fantastic! Um,
2: and then I was home. Then that winter, I was about to go to Stuttgart, Bosch, and Dortmund, and that uh, next year in the in the March. And I was jumping in one day, and then I got a call from the owner. And he, he had nine horses with me, Tony. Had it. He said, I want to sell the whole lot.
1: Oh, no. I I
2: can't believe this. <laughs> Why? He <gasps> said, oh, well, I've got tax reasons, tax problems, and reasons. I need the money. Oh, gosh. So I looked everywhere to try and get somebody to buy Top Gun, and I obviously couldn't. And um, cut the long story short, Jan Tops bought all the horses. He bought the lot off him. And then, obviously, Jan ended up with the horse, kept the horse for himself. And he went on and won a gold medal in Barcelona. But that was that was a brilliant horse.
1: Yeah. Oh, did he have the similar traits to Big Star or was it just... Yeah. The...
2: yeah. Yeah. He was tricky to start with. He'd go up the field and he'd plant himself and stand there and rear up and things like that. But <laughs> once he got over those problems, um, yeah, I mean, I, I went to Stogenbosch and I won the Grand Prix on him. And the following week, I went to Dortmund and I won the Grand Prix there at the World Cup final, the one that John won with Milton in Dortmund. But he was a really special horse, very talented, blurred, fast, no jumps could be too big. He was a great horse, a pity. That was the one that really bugged me of losing, really.
1: It could have been a very different story, couldn't it? Yep. Um And now, your life story could have been very different if it hadn't been for the next horse, which is, of course, the great Arco. Um, And you sort of credited him as being your comeback horse after you broke your neck in that horrific fall. Tell us about Arco, how you found him. It was, I mean, he really did change your career, didn't he?
2: Yeah, he did. I mean, actually, all of these horses have got stories to them, how you get them, and uh, one thing and another. And um, Arco. Was um, a friend of mine in, in um, north of German Hamburg, as um, Jörg Never, um, sent me a video of Arco when he was five years old uh, in the German Championships. And just at that point of time was when I, was, I did have horses for Lord Harris and David Broome. And actually, that was one of the horses, the that, that one horse that, fin- that did finish me off was one of their horses, Lalik. That's where I had my accent oh, yeah. on. Yeah. So I got the video and showed it to David Broome, uh, who was, you know, his sort of agent and uh, everything had to go through David when you had these horses and showed it to him. I said, David, this horse is a really good horse. You go and see it for, for Lord Harris. So I was at the Sunshine Tour in Spain and flew back to England, got on the plane to Hamburg with David, tried him. He didn't, have, he, got there, he didn't have any. Got there. didn't have any French shoes on because he was sort of. It was sort of February, March time. He was roughed off and hadn't been back in work. And we only jumped a few small jumps on him. And uh, he's a beautiful looking horse, as you Oh know, yes, whatever. yeah. And um, anyway, he, he jumped great. Decided I, I loved him, loved the horse. And um, I got back in the car. And we were driving along, and David obviously called Lord Harris, and he must said how is he. And David said, Oh. He says, a really nice type. I think he might be a nice horse one day. <laughs> and I'm sat in the back and I'm thinking, that's not really a way to sell a horse, really. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you've got to be a bit more excited than that. <laughs> <Yeah. But> anyway, <laughs> cut a long story short, he never bought the horse. Oh, so gosh. I check all the way back to the Sunshine Tour. I'm walking down the lorry park <clears throat> and I've got this video in my hand and I bump into Lisa Hales. She's just coming out of a truck and she says, where, where have you been? I said, oh, I've been sitting this horse. Said, what's it like? I said, well, I've got the video. I went to see it for David and Lord Harris. I said, but I don't think they're going to buy it. She said, let me have a look. So I go in the truck, put the video on. She said, oh, she said, love that horse. She said, my dad will buy that horse. Oh wow. So the funny thing was that that's when the time when we were turning over the money from uh, pounds to euros, or was it marks? Anyway, the this is not it's not a secret or anything but the horse he was expensive he was a million marks which in those days was like three hundred thousand pounds right a hell of a lot of money absolutely she's she calls her dad and dad says go you know go and see the horse we'll go and see it so i'm walking away going to the plane on the monday again i'm going back again and as i'm walking out she said uh how much is the horse and because of it was Germany and we hadn't all changed over to Euros, it was Marx. Yeah. So so, oh it's a million. She said, It'd better be good for a million pounds. <laughs> oh no. I said, No, I said it's Marks. <laughs> oh so you'll buy it then. And so <laughs> I get back to Birmingham, I meet John. I meet John Hay, I got on him, had five minutes on him and John had bought him <gasps> before I got off him.
1: Oh my goodness me.
2: His vet was there, vetted him and that was it, bought the horse
1: fantastic i mean and they've been you know your biggest supporters over the years and
2: one thing about the Hales is i mean they are so such great f- horse family they've had some great horses everything john touches normally turns to gold
1: oh
2: <laughs> with his racehorses he's just been he's such a lucky not a lucky owner um but he things seem to fall right for him you know and he bought, he, he buys good horses And they all turn out really pretty good. I mean, he's not really had many bad ones. And even now, we have three or four racehorses for John. And um, they're all pretty smart. And all he wanted to do, John, was go to the Olympic Games. And, um, you know, we nearly pulled it off that time. The only thing is, I thought about Athens was, I think he was just barely a a year too young, really, for it, for experience-wise. But again, he won some great great classes he won uh, 1.2 million pounds in his career again he won the grand prix in calgary you know he, he won so many grand Prix and he was such a good horse and yeah he was a great one that got me back going again
1: yeah and actually that's a good trait all your horses seem to sort of go on for a, a long time and retire at the top i mean it's sort of a, yeah. a recurring theme that, that you've sort of keep them going over many many years
2: I think it's how you look after them when they're young and how much you jump them and how you treat them because all of those horses, like maybe, if ever, Apollo, St. James, Dollar Girl, Top Gun, Arco, uh, Carlo and Big Star, they all got to an old age. Yeah. Um, And I think it's it's how you you look after them. and You know, you can't, there's only so many classes in a horse and you can't really, you know, jump them day in, day out, every day, every week because they're they're not going to last.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned there Carlo. He's number nine on your list. Tell us about the lovely grey Carlo. Uh,
2: again, there's a story with him. Again, he came from Yergneva, where Arco came from, and he did. He told me about him that he got a really good five five year old. Uh, we were up there one day looking at horses uh, with Laura, and he was jumping this this horse, and we rode him and loved him. Said so, right, we want to buy him. And He said, Well, you know, you can't have him. Until I want to keep him until he's seven. Oh, gosh. I said, No, but I, I want him now. <laughs> I said, well, I want to do all the work on him and,
1: yeah.
2: um, and produce him and everything. He said, No, no, you can have him when he's seven. So I said, Well, here's what we do. I said, When he's seven, you send him to me. And um, at that point that year, we were going to Florida. And I said, If he goes well in Florida, I said, Gary Riddison will buy him. And true to his word, he did send him, and we went to Florida. Sent a few videos home of him, and Gary bought him on the telephone. Amazing. Um, he went on. He was again. He won Grand Prix in Lucerne, La ball, the Nations Cup double clears. Uh, got the bronze. He got. He won a bronze medal in Madrid, two thousand eleven, and then um, then Sergio uh, Moya. Came he was. He was always loved that horse. He always just asked me the horse for sale, his horse for sale. He he wanted to buy him. And I think I thought that you know he was starting to get aged a little bit, and maybe it was a good time to sell him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, when Sergio bought him. He did some great things on him. Won a lot on him, and um, he's got a great home, good retirement with uh, Martha Ortega in La Coruña in Spain in the field. And the great life there.
1: Oh, love it. Um, and of course, waiting in the wings, last but not least on the list, you had uh, the one and only big star. Um, I just, I mean, he's one of these horses that is just going to go down in history. But uh, how do you feel looking back? You just must feel so fortunate to have found him at, at that point in your career.
2: Well, again, there's another good story to, to him. Um, it was the year of, of uh, Beijing Olympics, 2008 um the american team were in holland uh they had to train before they left to go to beijing and they were stabled somewhere in the north of holland at a tiny showground that they were going to train for a couple of days and so laura drove she went the day early and went to this sh- little show that was up there and as she drove into the showground it was, the cars were parked around the ring it was a really old fashioned show there and this horse was jumping in the ring and she pulled up and this horse was jumping around and she thought, my God, this is unbelievable. So she got out, she couldn't see who it was. She got out yeah. and went running around to the entrance of the ring to when the rider came out. And it was actually a guy that she knew from, Cali- He he's from California, lives in Holland, Alan Wallman. And she said, is your horse for sale? He said, yeah, it is but it's expensive and I want it to go to a good rider. So she said, how much? And he told her and she said, oh God, yeah, that is expensive. <laughs> he said, I know, Nick has an owner that I think will buy him. Would you be okay if Nick had him? And he said, yeah, sure. So she called and said, right, you better get over and see this horse. Um, So we set off, we went to, um, we went to Jörg Neighbours to see some horses with Gary was with us and his father, Albert. And um, Gary was only gonna buy one horse that was his, he wanted to buy me a Grand Prix horse because I hadn't okay. really got one at, at the time. Um, so we tried a few horses there and then it cut a long story short. He ended up buying four horses at Jurg Neighbours, Nemo being the one Grand Prix horse that I got. Oh, yes. And three others. And I thought, well, we've still, we've got, we're only going to buy one and we've still got, we've got four already and we've got to go and see. Laura said, we better go and see Big Star, this horse, Big Star. Mm-hmm. And we better go and see him because uh, I promised we'd go and see him. So we got on the plane, sealed this horse in the stable. He's got the longest mane, it's four <laughs> down past his nose. Oh no. Uh, he, he's five years old. Stick some tack on, go out in the field. There's mares and foals all around the field on the <laughs> side of the pad that we were jumping at. Just when we jumped, like he was, uh, like he gave me an amazing feeling. And it wasn't me that bought that decided they were going to buy him, to be re- truthfully. Because I said, I thought we are only buying one Grand Prix Orse. And I thought Briggs, I was so brave. I thought he was too brave for his age.
1: Oh, my goodness me.
2: And this Alan Wallman put this upright up. It would be about five foot, three or four. I mean, on a five-year-old, that's a, like a big jump. Anyway, he just came bounded down to it, give it a foot. And before I pulled up and come back, uh, Gary's dad said, right, I'm buying that horse. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had no, oh. no words to say about it. And that was it. We he bought him.
1: And that was history, yeah. the start of history. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And sort of tell us about those early days. I mean, it must have been so tempting to sort of keep stepping him up. But you had to sort of play the waiting game with him, did you? Well,
2: he did, yeah. I mean, he was so, well, brave. He, he was everything. And, um, it, again, it was just time couldn't go fast enough for me. Because, uh, you know, the, the jumps he was getting, you know, they weren't big enough, basically. When he was six, there was three championships, really, in England. There was one at the Scope Festival, which was like £3,000 to the winner, which was a, a big prize. Yeah. So I said, well, I'll, I'll go there and I'll win that one. And then I'll go to the Horse of the Year show and win that one. And there was the uh, six-year-old championships in Addington. And I wasn't there. I, I wasn't able to ride him. And um had a uh, Lance Whitehouse was working for us at the time. And anyway, he won the Scope Festival one and he went to Addington and he was clear, clear and the last round he had one down. And before Lance had called me and said, Well, I've had one down, Malcolm Pyro rang, he said he said, You're also just knocked a jump down. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> said, I said, Well that's the first one.
1: Yeah.
2: Um yeah, so anyway, he didn't win that one. But I went to the Horse of the Year show, and he won that. He won the six-year-old final there, and that was it really. From then on, I didn't really try and win too much there. I just wanted then to produce him, give him his time. I knew what he could do, and um, just really wait for the clock to tick away.
1: That's it. And I remember um, at Horse of the Year show interviewing you after you won. And you, one of the best sort of standout moments was that the Widdersons were never going to sell him. And, you know, that was so important for the sport that, you know, he, he, they had so many offers over the years and they could have sold him at any moment. But you had that knowledge and you were in for the long game with him.
2: It was. And I think I'm really thankful that, that um, you know, Gary owned the horse and kept it. And, I mean, Gary wanted him to go to the Olympics as much as what I did. But I'm glad that he owned him because I think if, I, if I'd if i have owned him, I don't think I could have resisted, you know, because life goes on, you've got to pay for, you know, you have a lot of expenses and buildings and paying and all this business. So exactly. I don't think I could have afforded to keep him. So that was the most, the thankful thing that Gary and Beverly owned him and kept him. And they never would sell him. I mean, when he won the Grand Prix in Arkan in two thousand three 13 he got offered 15 million for him. oh my goodness but he'd already won in he'd already won in London
1: yeah so tell us about that I mean that in front of your home crowd I mean nothing can beat a gold medal in that situation
2: yeah I mean he was um he jumped unbelievable there never never touched the fence until that very final last round and I think then you know that that fence he had down he's very you know not normal of him really but mm-hmm. I did he was getting a bit keen towards the end. And when I went past the, I'm not, not making excuses, but when I went past, there's a big bank of speakers, and the crowd went mad when I jumped the combination. And oh, I yeah. got three fences of jump. And as I went past the speakers, Nick Brooks Ward went shh oh. on the speakers. And I, I just, at that point, he just grabbed the bridle. And he was off and I turned the corner and he just a bit quick at the vertical and had that down behind and that was it It was all over. Yeah. So I can blame Nick, Nick. Nick <laughs>
1: <gorgeous> <laughs> and in your head, I mean, as soon as that happened, were you thinking of the next Olympics or at that stage, did you just think, right, that's it?
2: No, because I was yeah, devastated, really, because that was his time to win. He should have won that. Yeah. So, you know, you think when you wait all that years to get a horse like that, you've got it in your lap and it disappears. You know, it's really, it's annoying. I was devastated, really.
1: And how did you build yourself back up from that then? How do you sort of get motivated to think four years ahead or even to the next class after oh, something really, like
2: that? He, he was nine years old, so he was no age. And after, so when you get home, you think, well, he's only nine and he can do another one. And I knew that he would... He was good enough because he nearly he, you know he proved it he was nearly he nearly won that one and i just thought well he'll be four years older he'll be more experienced and i'm sure that you know he he's as good as there is and there's no reason why he can't go and do it again mm-hmm. uh, but the, unfortunately we had a few setbacks on the way because he got injured and um he got a high suspensory and eight nine months off and then that he went again and so we give him another year off and really just came back and we just nursed him along in 2016 for the whole year and just nursed him and you know he, he held up which was amazing really but he, he, he was a horse that you didn't have to go do a lot of work with you know he wouldn't he wouldn't need seven or eight shows to get going like a, a lot of horses you need to jump them quite a bit he yeah. was brave it didn't matter if he didn't go in the ring it, it wouldn't make any difference to him and um He only jumped 10 rounds before he got to the Olympic Games that year. Wow. uh, I remember I never, never, ever went against the clock with him. I went to Canoc and those shows, Sunshine Tours and things like that. And um, I was just, you know, some some jump-offs. I didn't go in the jump-off. I left him. Um, And I remember Katie Proudhon said to me one day, she said, don't you think you better go against the clock and practice? (laughs) if you're going to the olympic games i said don't worry i said i haven't forgotten and I see if i have to go fast i will and um i remember when after rio the phone call the phone rang and it was her
1: oh was and it she
2: said you know she said well done and i said well i went fast enough today didn't i <laughs> and um she laughed about that and we do laugh about it now when we see each other yeah yeah.
1: Just what a horse. And you said, you know, he should have been up on that podium with you. Tell us about that sort of moment and thinking back about the all these horses and your career. Well, and... I just think,
2: you know, it's that after that, sixty eight years old and you know, waited all that time and gone to all those Olympics and making you, you know, a lot of those Olympics you go there and if you haven't got a horse good enough, you you're going through the motions to make everybody else look good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said after uh, Atlanta when I went with um, Showtime I said I'm not going to another Olympic Games unless I've got a horse that's good enough to win because there's no worse place to be it's at the Olympic Games and you're, you're under horse or you know there's no fun really and um, I knew though that with him he there was nothing that he couldn't do with that horse
1: Oh one in a million
2: one, He is one in a million yeah for sure yeah.
1: And we've I think we've all seen videos of him Now he's, he's in retirement but um, he's still jumping, any signs of heading to Tokyo in 2021 we can't <laughs> no. take <tempt> you back
2: <laughs> no he's back here at home now in fact we have there's every, anybody rides him he's like the riding school pony oh. anybody that <laughs> fancy a ride rides him because we keep him you know he's a stallion it's you know the fields are wet uh it's cold damp uh he comes back for the winter so we ride him and just like any, all the other horses he goes out with all the others and you know he's kept fit and i think he, he looks tremendous he loves. He loves to jump. I mean, he gets so excited about jumping. I mean, he just mm-hmm. loves to jump. And uh, I'm sure he could come back and jump again. But I mean, I did think about it at one point a couple of years ago. But uh, the fear of failure would be the what stopped me. I think really.
1: Yeah, quit while you're ahead.
2: I think. Yeah, but he looks great. I mean, he's he's 17. Like I can say, anybody that fancies a ride comes and rides him.
1: I think you'll have people queuing at the gate now. We're ready yeah. to <laughs> come and sit on it. He goes at the
2: gallop and
1: <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, he goes back
2: to study in February. So
1: Yeah. Well, it's a testament to you all, I think, that he's still in such fine shape at, uh, at that age and still going strong. It's brilliant. Nick, that's been a fascinating insight. You've, just, you've obviously had such tremendous partnerships over the years, and uh, it's been great to hear about them all. So thank you very much indeed. Happy
0: New Year.
2: Thank you, you're welcome, and Happy New Year to you.
0: Well, that was a fantastic interview. Thank you, Jen, and thank you to Nick for sharing so many wonderful memories with us. We'll be back with our normal format for the podcast next week. Our guest will be top New Zealand event rider, Tim Price, and we'll be bringing you all the latest news too. We're also introducing a new expert for our advice section, Jason Webb, a trainer who specialises in starting young horses and retraining those with problems. So we'll be hearing from Jason for the first time in the next episode. I'll sign off by saying Happy New Year again. I think we're all hoping 2021 will be quite different to 2020. And I look forward to speaking to you next week and throughout the new year. Goodbye. The Horse and Hound podcast is a Media Cage production.